Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 11 and another special episode of Hands Up, the education podcast that takes a light-hearted look at all the quirks that make being a teacher, an educator or just part of a school a truly unique experience. My name's Jordan Firth, I'm a Year 1 teacher and I'm joined remotely again by not one, but two people. As always, I'm joined by fellow teacher, co-host and co-creator, Mark Tomlinson. Hello! But today we're also joined by the man who tries to get kids bothered. He's an author, a travelling teacher, and he just might be the movie Jaws' biggest fan. It's Hal Roberts. Hello! In this episode, Mark will be looking at Carry On Teacher as his famous fictional school, and I'll count down my top five teacher baddies. For our teacher talking point, we asked you to describe your average day teaching with a movie title, and of course, we'll be speaking with our guest, Howell Roberts. So, it's great to have you with us. So sit down, cross your legs, or make sure your chair's tucked in. Four legs, Mark, and let's get started. Hey, Jordan. Jordan. Go on. We're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) Uh, You all know what I do for a living. (laughs) We need the tail, the head, the whole damn thing. I'll just leave you two to it. (laughs) Uh, Mark, I was going to quickly come to you first. Because finally, you've Mm. been in school today. Yeah. to get out of the house. Yeah, I know. It's great. Good to be back. Yeah, social distancing amongst the kids textbook easy textbook easy, easy right yeah those reception, reception those too. reception yeah. kids their spatial awareness two meters incredible really good <laughs> good well that's uh, that's good to know going forward so if any um anyone that's working for the dfe is listening to this mark you've basically given them the, yeah. the green light there haven't you yeah. for us all to go back <laughs> um let's introduce our guest then we've got howell Robert's with us. Howell, are you well? How's it going? Hiya, Jordan. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I've been spending a lot of time in my attic and in my shed, uh, in my garage, in my garden. I've, what I've done is I've labelled up different rooms in the house with place names. So after I've done this, I'm off to Scarborough, which is our kitchen. <laughs> and then I might, I might later, I might nip to the big smoke leads. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's me. Uh, that's our living room. And then Keithley, <laughs> and then Keithley later, which is the attic again. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all right, thanks. It's just we're in strange times, aren't we? And um, like, as you've just alluded to, um, I think the only people who really know what are going on in schools are the, are the people who are actually on the front line, uh, which is your, you know, you, Mark and Jordan today. Uh, you know, be if you've been in today. You know what it's like, and, and some of the stuff that uh, teachers are being asked to do is, is just uh, bizarre, uh, frankly. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting times. I'm, I'm having to relearn loads of things. About six weeks ago, my diary emptied, and uh, I were a bit worried because that's me living. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just had, I had a proper sleepless night, and uh, <laughs> and then, then it just all got... It all settled down, thank goodness. And, uh, yeah, so I've just been learning new tech skills and stuff so it's been it's been interesting hasn't it it's been interesting for everyone i think yeah. away yeah. away from all the horrible stuff you know i'm, I'm sort yeah. of making light of it there's horrible stuff um but there's uh you know there's a lot lot of interesting stuff especially on twitter a lot of fun stuff and nice stuff happening as well as the usual um usual 
<laughs> I was trying to not copy. swear then, but you know. Oh, it's fine. You, with Mark on the podcast, my my bleeping button is is <laughs> nearly worn down. Um, you mentioned there then that you, your your diary uh, emptied. Just tell the listeners then, in a nutshell, just a little bit about you then, Howell, and, and the kind of work that you do. Well, I, I, I were a full time teacher for a long time. I was secondary, um, and then I found myself doing quite a lot of work in special setting uh in mainly in to start with in a pro pupil referral unit in Barnsley and then I went on from there to support other special schools and then found myself working a lot in primary I've never never been a full-time teacher in primary but now I find myself doing a lot of kind of consultant teacher work CPD on steroids work where I'm in the classroom teaching the kids and the kids are what the teachers are watching me uh, working with their children and we sort of unpick it all it's it's good stuff and we're just um i'm just doing a lot of looking at pedagogy really and how we deliver the knowledge um so I, i've written a couple of books about that kind of thing and i've done a lot of i've done quite a bit of study myself a lot of research myself um uh, around that sort of area around pedagogies really around pedagogies of poverty and pedagogies of richness and so on and that's where that term botheredness sort of came from yeah well uh we'll go back to that a little bit later on in the podcast and i think uh when we when we ask you your questions um we'll start then with my top five for this week and we've kind of got a little bit of a like a film and, and tv theme for this episode um so my top five and <sighs> And maybe it's because it's it's relatable in some way, or maybe because it represents a lot of our worst fears as a child. But the evil teacher is is a well used trope in the world of fiction, and and there are plenty of them. So so much so that I needed to narrow down my list in some way. So this was initially evil teachers, or kind of those bad teachers. This is now basically just a list of uh, teacher murderers, um, but <laughs> fictional ones. Obviously, this is a light hearted. Uh, podcast after all or ones that haven't been caught yet yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah the, my criteria is they had to have killed at least one person um some spoilers coming up for particular shows or films um harry potter breaking bad so if if you've not listened to those just listen for my spoiler warning and uh, and skip over them but uh, let's start at number five so at number five, I've just gone with the teacher that kind of springs to mind for most people when you think of evil fictional teachers. It's Agatha Trunchbull. Now, Miss Trunchbull is someone who, I mean, she knows how to handle bratty little children or maggots, as she calls them, since she unapologetically hates them to the point where she denies having ever been one. Whereas guys like someone else on my list, say Professor Snape, he... He uses strict discipline to control uh, his students. Trunchbull just uses torture. Um, we only know for sure that she's killed one person who surprisingly was an adult, but Trunchbull's methods are kind of so horrible, it's hard to know, you know, just how many victims she's had. You know, we know that she threw a girl uh, over the fence by a pigtail, she force-fed a boy a giant chocolate cake and threw a kid out of a five-story window. Worst of all, her idea of detention is the chokey, a small cupboard that she converted into a makeshift Iron Maiden with broken glass and jagged nails. I'd like to see you try and add that to your behaviour management policy at your next staff meeting. Four. Number four... I've gone with Dr. Connors. Matt, do you know who Dr. Connors is? Um, yes. 
I've, I've got no idea. Sorry, John. Dr. Connors is uh, from Spider-Man. So, ah. um, debuted in 1963 in the yeah. comics. Peter yeah. Parker's teacher, Dr. Kurt Connors, has racked up a whole bunch of bodies, far more than any other educator. Um, Kurt Connors, as he was known, was a, a brilliant biologist who lost his arm and then tried to combine reptile DNA with his own, turning himself into supervillain, the lizard. Um, since his inception, he's kind of done the same thing every few months, every few years, every few comic books. Um, he turns into a lizard, kills a, a, a load of people. They then find a cure and turn him back into the doctor and inevitably that wears off. And he tries again to regrow his arm and turn into the lizard and kill more people. And for over 50 years now, Spider-Man and the lizard have, have gone through this pattern. Um, you'd think he might have learned to give up or, you know, at least get a cool hook hand or something Three. now this is a big spoilers coming ahead if you've never seen Breaking Bad Marky caught up uh, yes yeah how old is he in Breaking Bad oh it's, a, it's an absolute favourite and just finished Better Call Saul as well which is just brilliant good well we'll avoid spoilers then so Walter White used to be a pretty normal high school temp chemistry mm. teacher until he was diagnosed with cancer now cancer often causes people to take scope of their life when Lance Armstrong was diagnosed for example he decided to fulfill his dream of becoming a massive cheat um, but for Walter White he'd realized that he hadn't done too much and started selling crystal meth to get money for his family now, like all teacher-turned-drug-dealers, um, Walter soon became a homicidal maniac and started killing people left, right and centre. He kills one guy in the pilot by gassing him to death. He then strangles another guy a couple of days later. He kills some rival drug dealers who are on his territory, two guards who were holding Jesse captive. Following that, he blew up his boss, the boss's bodyguard, and an old man in a wheelchair, shot a man who was nearing retirement, and rigged an automatic weapon in the boot of his car to take revenge on a bunch of Nazis who had stolen almost everything from him. This doesn't include Gale, who Walter forced Jesse to kill, the nine prisoners Walter ordered a hit on, Jesse's girlfriend, who Walter watched die as she choked on her own vomit, the 167 people who died in a plane crash as a result of the dead girlfriend's father being distracted as his job as an air traffic controller, or all of the people who may have died as a result of Walter's blue meth being on the street. So he's either killed about 20 people or several hundred, depending on how you look at it. Uh, oh. And he also poisoned a small boy, but he lived, so it's fine. He still doesn't sound as bad as Miss Trunchbull, does he? <laughs> Two. Snape is next on my list. Now, when Hogwarts headmaster, Albus Dumbledore, needed somebody to kill him, he turned to the biggest jerk he knew, Severus Snape. Now, Snape's gone back and forth between being a, a good guy at Hogwarts and a bad guy with the Death Eaters, so much so that you could never really tell what he was up to. Um, when Draco Malfoy couldn't follow through on killing Albus Dumbledore, Dumbledore asked Snape to kill him so that Lord Voldemort couldn't, and thus escaping the embarrassment of being killed by a guy without a nose. Uh, Snape, of course, duly obliged, um, and many feel that Snape redeemed himself towards the end. Um, but as a teacher, he was basically just an adult picking on an 11 year old boy who'd suffered the loss of his parents and let's not forget about the fact he, he played favorites which led to uh, 
a totalitarian teaching style where students are in constant fear and yet he might have known potions like the back of his hand but as we all know subject knowledge aka ts3 is but one of eight of the professional teacher standards so <laughs> this is my most controversial one i think uh, at number one for number one i've gone for indiana jones um it's it's easy to forget isn't it but indiana jones is basically a a mass murderer. He's shot people, blown them up, crashed the motorcycles, run them over, burned them alive, fed them to killer ants, shot them with poison darts, strangled them with his whip, sent them plummeting to their death from a rope bridge, and even thrown them into boiling lava. So it's no wonder that when he made contact with aliens in Crystal Skull, he didn't think twice about blowing the heads off. Honestly, Indiana Jones is such a prolific murderer it's hard to count exactly how many people have been his victims um, because he so often kills in large groups of people at once. Most estimates that I've seen put him just shy of 200, um, but I will note that that body count could be a lot higher because I didn't include all the audience members that killed themselves after watching Crystal Skull. <laughs> I quite liked Crystal Skull, you know, and I know everyone's down on it. <laughs> John, the, the thing is about Indiana Jones, though, they were all Nazis that he killed, weren't they? Yeah. Which is a good thing. True. Well, not all Nazis, though. You know, it might rock up to a, an ancient civilization and start causing havoc. They're not his things to take and he just walks into school and he's like, all right, I'm just going to start teaching archaeology. Archaeology's <laughs> got no to do with like pistol whipping people. If you, wanted, if you wanted a true account of his body count, you just needed to ask Matt Hancock and then he would have told you how many bodies there were, how many deaths there were. Topical. Can I just recommend a, a teacher for your list? Of course, yeah. And it's the film Animal House, <laughs> and the it's a, it's not, it's about nineteen seventy eight, and it's Dean Wormer. It's called Wormer, and he's 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 the um he's the dean of the college, and he's it's very good. He ends up with a dead horse in his office, but you have to watch it to find out how that's happened. Mark, is there any on there that that you didn't agree with, or that you'd add add to that list? No. I was stalling then. Do you know why? I was stalling by asking you a question, Mark, um, mm. when Howell mentioned Animal House because I'd forgotten about this. Oh, yeah. So that every time... <laughs> every time Mark makes a reference that I don't understand, which is all the time, as is a slight generational gap, I, I, I ring the bell. So... For, for... Do you want to do that bit again? <laughs> hey, yeah. there's, there's Dean Wormer in Animal House. <laughs> there you go. Sure. You could do some editing magic on that, sure. Let's move on then to the to the talking point. Because um, as I mentioned, we have got this film theme going here in this episode. And how will you? You are quite a big film fan, is that right? Oh, massive! Yeah, I love it. I love cinema all my life. Yeah. So to to continue on that theme then for our teacher talking point, I tweeted the other day. Uh, describe your average day teaching with a movie title or, or a movie plot. So a couple of examples uh, gave um, a series of unfortunate events, great expectations, mission impossible. So let's look at a selection of responses uh, and I'll, I'll come to, to you guys at the end if you've, if you've got anything to add. Um, at Peter Spencer uh, said, gone with the wind. 
it says your class find it hard to concentrate either because of the weather or because someone's just fired. Uh, <laughs> what is it about windy days where, because teachers have got a bit of a sixth sense, don't they? Being able to tell how the day is going to go with the weather. You know, like full moon, it's going to be a long day. Or some of them are out in the playground, kind of licking the finger and going, yeah, no, it's windy. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hectic day. Do you get that? Mark, are you good at that? Did you get that when you get your teacher qualification, or do you think you've just got to adopt that over, over <laughs> yeah, time? Yeah, got to adopt. I've had to, I've had to hone that skill over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. Um, at Luke C Hale said, uh, "Train wreck or angels and demons," and then he said, "Or oh, me after lockdown, the blob." <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you'd look more like cousin it after this lockdown, aren't you? Me. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, I'm going through my Billy Ray Cyrus stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. By by um, Springbank Jesus, mm. looking a bit like Jesus, and then the Abominable Snowman by <laughs> by the Summer Holidays. <laughs> um, at Stuart Garner, uh, at, sorry, Stuart Garner at S J Garner seventy six says um, Titanic. Now I feel. These are all a bit, you know, a bit pessimistic. These aren't they? Why, why um, Titanic? Just because? You, you well, gonna, I, I think know. I've used that as a reference for your teaching before, Mark. You remember you said you dressed up as the captain, yeah? And I was like, well, yeah, going, going down with the sinking ship is like a <laughs> perfect metaphor <laughs> for my <laughs> your <lesson>. teaching. Yeah. <laughs> why am I laughing? <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Uh, at Mr E Primer says uh, 127 hours who said there was a problem with workload (laughs) (laughs) did some research I know it will blow your mind to believe uh, but there are 168 hours in a week so 127 hours that sounds about right doesn't it for for some teachers Um, at Vicky Bruff says lost in translation um, at Miss M underscore 1988 says anger management now you're both you both film fans do you think that anger management is Jack Nicholson's finest film no no <laughs> right fair enough move on far from it um, Rachel Bryant says working into the night 12 years a slave teaching fractions La La Land. Playground duty, stand by me. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, and the rest of the time, a positive one finally, it's a wonderful life. There we nice. go. So thanks, Rachel. Um, at Eugene McFadden says, sometimes listening to the media, the expendables, um, <laughs> otherwise, uh, the right stuff, Groundhog Day, or Dr. No. You can't go to the toilet. That's what break time's for. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's a good one, there. Yeah. Uh, last one. At Mr. McGrath um, says, how to lose friends and alienate people. Sorry, I can't come. I've got markings to do. <laughs> um, what about you guys? Anything that you'd, you'd add to, to that list? No, I've, I've, I've only got in the line of fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, brave art. Is that for the rousing speeches that we give? 
Yeah. Uh, and the quiet place, uh, or a quiet place, and uh, breakfast club, which, and and I chose that because of working in the in the special school. We we used to just have breakfast all the time. It used to be part of the settling thing. So you'd sit and have tea and toast with the kids and catch up and. Um, so I don't know if I've taken it too literally and taken the fun out of it, to be honest. But that, that's, uh, that, that was what I thought in the line of fire were all right. Yeah. Um, as we so often are, and we seem to be uh, quite a lot in the minute from what, I've, from what I read at the moment. Mark, um, what did you go uh, The Crying Game. <laughs> um, where the Wild Things Are. Appreciate that's a boat, but it's also a film. Um, no, that's a good Meet the Parents. And little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm obviously not talking about the children in our school, Jordan. No, of course not. <laughs> and for the parents that find this. Yeah, no, that listen. Not. <laughs> it's not, it, it might be talking about children in our school, but not your child, if you're a parent listening. <laughs> Definitely no, not your I'm not referring child. to that particular one. Not, no, that, not that specific no. one. Let's move on then, Mark, um, to your famous fictional school now. Oh, I don't know how I feel Get about this. Out. Because, Mark, you managed to find the smut in Harry Potter. Uh, yeah. And today, yeah, today you're going to be talking about Carry On Teacher. Is that right? That's right, yes. Mm. Carry On Teacher. And if you're, if you're familiar with the Carry On movies, Jordan, they are full of smut and innuendo. So nothing's going to change in this next five minutes. <laughs> Okay. Great. Um, strap yourself in. <laughs> so this week, Jordan, uh, we're heading back over 60 years to a time where even your dad wasn't a twinkle in the milkman's eye and where schoolboy pranks <laughs> hit a high watermark and could be argued have never been bettered and where one boy's dream of one day owning his own bistro and sharing a flat with two hot-to-trot single women were not hampered because he was a little short ass. Now, Jordan, I don't normally feel it's necessary to explain my jokes during our podcast, but today, <laughs> in regards to the last reference, um, yeah. the actor, get your bell ready, Richard O'Sullivan, yeah. played the part of a schoolboy who attended this particular, particular fictional school that we're visiting today. He later right. appeared in two sitcoms in the 70s, one where he owned a restaurant, and one where he shared a flat with two hot-to-trot women. And before we have anyone writing in to complain about my sexist remarks, this is not my description, but one made by The Sun's TV reviewer on the 15th of August, 1973. It's also worth noting that page three that day was an absolute <laughs> stunner. Anyway, also, before we have anybody writing to points of view or some podcast complaints department... I'm not for one minute suggesting you can't be a short man and also be attractive. Look at Tom Hardy, Tom Cruise, Tom Hollander and Tom Thumb. Nor am I suggesting all short men are called Tom. They could also be called Ronnie or Reggie. Right, I digress, I digress. Back to the job in hand. Let's take a closer look at the Maudlin Street Secondary Modern School from the film Carry On Teacher. Set in the late 1950s, this was a school where teachers wore gowns and would be referred to as either Miss or Sir, 
and rebellious and unruly children are still dealt with through the means of corporal punishment and the pupils are masters in the art of comic book pranks. Can, can I just can I just go back to the short man thing actually? I wasn't for <laughs> one minute having a pop at the East End hard men Ronnie and Reggie Cray, right? Mm. I'm not even sure whether they were short in stature. And I know at least one of them wouldn't have been wouldn't have been interested in hot to trot women. I think I was referring to Ronnie Corbett and Reggie Yates, just to clarify and just just to make <laughs> sure. sure I'm not going to get any kind of gangsters knocking on my door and throwing me throwing me in the river air in a concrete overcoat. Anyway, sorry. Once again, I've digressed. There's no doubt that the school has a behaviour problem. But the length the children go to in a bid to get one over on the teachers can only be applauded for their ingenuity and creativity. Take, for example, the children pouring gin into the staff room kettle, which leads to several teachers getting a little tipsy at playtime and playing a drunken game of musical chairs as if they were a group of children at a fifth birthday party hopped up, hopped up on fruit shoots and party rings. Other pranks include soaring off the legs of the school piano so, so that it comes crashing to the ground during a music lesson and the swapping of the PE teacher's shorts to a much smaller pair so when she bends over during a warm-up they split to reveal her bottom. Sorry, I just need to go back to the short man thing again. Um, <laughs> of course, Tom Cruise, he's been married a number of times so, you know, despite his height... He's clearly a hit with the ladies, and it's well known that he has a thing for hot-to-trot ladies, allegedly. Anyway, sorry, John. Right, where was I? Yeah, OK. So, so let's not forget the teacher who, on answering the phone, found the receiver glued to his hand and boot polish all over his ear, or the teacher being pelted by bags of flour, or the one falling through a hole in the staff room floor, or the classroom door handle being rigged so that it electrocuted an unsuspecting member of staff. These are classic pranks, which fortunately for us teachers working today are no longer common practice in our schools. Though I did once have a spurting cop drawn on the back of my waistcoat. I wouldn't mind, but it was done during the staff meeting. Like in any school, the teachers are a disparate bunch. There's the fierce disciplinarian who wields the cane as if they were working in one of Max Mosley's Nazi sex dens the shy science teacher and the effect music teacher who are often the target for the children's pranks. And then there's the PE teacher, Miss Alcock, whose name brings opportunities for smutty innu innuendos. Are you satisfied with your equipment, Miss Alcock? Well, I've had no complaints so far. And this got me thinking about teacher names and how there's usually very little scope these days for innuendo, unless, of course, you're a character in a Harry Potter novel. Take our own school, for example, Jordan. There's no great deal of laughs to be had out of the names Mr Firth and Mr Tomlinson, nor out of the name of our much-loved lunchtime supervisor, Betty Swallocks. I remember when I was at high school, we had a French teacher called Miss Totty. She was absolutely stunning. But at the time, I didn't know that the word totty also meant someone who was sexually desirable. And she certainly was, was to one other member of the teaching staff too, as apparently he was caught with Miss Totty on a trip to France, mastering the perfect soissant nerf. So, to end this segment, and with a nod to Miss Alcock from Maudlin Street Secondary Modern, 
Here are some of my favourite names from the past, which I found on the 2011 census, possibly, who had been teachers, perhaps, and would have no doubt provided hours of fun for pupils with a certain sense of humour and a filthy mind, or if they shared a staff, staff room with a puerile 50-year-old co-worker. Are we ready? Mrs Eve Pudding. Mr Max Jaffa. Mrs Sheila Feeler. Mr Wet Jeffrey. Mr. Mandangles, <laughs> Miss Beedleboobs, Mrs. Bromley Tickle, Mr. Chinge, Mr. Cleftal Horizon, Mrs. Clack, Mrs. Clutchbungle, Mrs. Dirtpenny, Miss Farkle, Mrs. Flumpert, Mr. Funsock, Mr. Fun Sponge, Mr. Goblin Cleaver, Mrs. Hammerfat, Mrs. Mingicle, and Mrs. Pippa Pipe. All teachers, Jordan. Mm. All and every one of them. Thank you very much. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> I'm too often speechless now at the end of these, Mark. Um, which isn't great for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All real teachers, then. Teaching, yeah. Teaching in and around Barnsley and uh, Doncaster during the late 70s, early 80s. Well, I'm going to look for Mr. Fun Sponge. <laughs> I do believe, um, I do believe, um, hang on a minute, there's one of them, Jordan. Um, Mrs. Hammerfat, hmm. currently serving 30 years in uh, prison for uh, murdering uh, previous lovers. So you didn't include her in your... No, I should have done. I'll add her as an honourable mention to Mrs. Hammerfat. <laughs> <laughs> to my top five. Crikey. All right, I'm going I'm to move swiftly on and change the subject, Mark, if that's, that's okay with you. Absolutely fine, yeah. It, it's, it's question time. It's question time. Let's, let's get to know our guest better. So, um, Howell, we've got three questions for you. Um, now... Four or five years ago, um, when I was an NQT, I went to one of your twilights, and and the the thing that, as you mentioned before, that, that did always stick out was that botheredness. Now to get kids bothered, and I guess I I've always liked that term because it you stuck with me because there's there's no jargon about that. Like you might have a lesson observation, and you get talk about engagement or this and that, but no, actually, I just want them to be bothered about what what they're doing. Um, and you spoke last weekend um, at the the virtual Bruhead, um thing, the Bruhead isolation thing. Um, and you, I remember you mentioned that child that, that said, I don't need French. I'm never going to France. Um, and, and I bet there's so many people out there that would have absolutely no idea how to respond to that or how you, you could get them, you know, engaged with something like that. So can you briefly, if possible, um, explain to us what you mean then about botheredness and what you feel the key is or could be to, to getting kids bothered. I'm, I'm genuinely, Jordan, Matt, trying to get a really nice, quick description of what botheredness is. But I think if I have to explain it too much, it's sort of I'm explaining it to the wrong people. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. saying... It's like trying to explain what values are. You know, it's like, well, if you're still looking at me and I've been banging on for 10 minutes about values and you still don't know what I'm talking about, we're probably on a hiding to nothing. I did the thing on Saturday and it was great. I did it in my garage and 
but I've had like someone's got in touch on Twitter saying oh they've watched it but they're still not quite sure what I'm talking about and actually it looks like a lot of hard work and I'm just thinking well you you're lost aren't you <laughs> you know I don't know what to do to help you and I want to help you but I can't help you you're lost and to me um and and if I just put botheredness up there as a title if I'm if I've, I've been trying to write about it I'm, I'm writing I'm trying to write a book about it I know everyone's writing a book but I'm trying to write a book about um how we use narratives and stories to get kids bothered um about their work and um and um something I, I was writing about the other day and I started talking about it on Saturday actually and it, it really fired myself up and it it's about this idea of the middle ground. Is when I was a full time English teacher, I'd stand at the front of the class and I'd and the kids would sit behind the tables and I'd deliver to them and I were doing my best, you know. I, I were I were hard working, I was conscientious, like like the vast majority of teachers I meet are. But there was always that thing about um, there's this sense I've got that there's a middle ground that we step into as teachers and we can take our kids into um, as teachers as well, um, and it's not a physical thing. It's it's almost like it's a it's a it's a, a mental thing if you like. Um, it's 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 a place where teachers have to shift their stance a little bit. If if you Jordan, if you see a kid in your class and they're mucky and the, their uniform's dirty, you're going to be concerned about them, and you're gonna you're gonna shift your stance from perhaps teaching what you're teaching to to being the concerned adult, to being loco parentis with that kid, and that's a shift of stance, and that's botheredness in action right there. Now it's not just a pastoral thing; we can apply it to anything. If I've got to teach Romans. You know, I've had a kid in a Prue say to me, as, as I think as I said on Saturday, why do we have to do Romans their ages ago? And what that kid has said is absolutely spot on. So my job, and I think it's that's my job then, is to get the kid bothered about it. Like when I was a teacher back in the day, full time, uh, teaching poetry, and I've got kids in Barnes, well, you know, a class I'm teaching in Barnsley at the time, and I've got kids saying, sir, what, what, what do we have to do this for? Why do we have to do this? It's it's boring and, and all that. And what I have to do is just try and offer a different... You know, I, I accept that it's hard. I accept that it's not speaking to them in the way that I really wish the poetry would. So I've got to almost become a salesperson for the curriculum in that moment. And I'll, I've got to just build my toolkit of strategies to get those kids interested and hooked in. They'll engage. Maybe I'm good enough to get them engaged. Maybe I've got the rapport and the relationships in the classroom. I've worked on that all my career to get them engaged. But actually, what I want to do is get them beyond engagement, which is where investment sits, when the kids are proper invested in, they're lost in it. And certainly with the little children who I've worked with more recently, the kids in early years and in, in Key Stage 1, they, they are happy to step in. They are happy to step into that middle ground and invest into stuff in a way that I eventually managed to get a lot of my kids hooked in and certainly a lot of my work in the Pru was just around that, is getting the kids to see the value in what they're doing. And it's hard and it's a real challenge. But that's that. I'm sorry I'm really clumsy in explaining this because I'm still trying to articulate it. I'm still trying to find the words. But that, I suppose, is what um, botheredness is. And I'm bothered enough myself to try and continue find, trying to find that description. It's authentic care, it's unconditional positive regard, it's optimism, it's warmth, it's banter, it's trust, 
it's all the things that make the job um, the, the the thing that was attracted us to it in the first place. You mentioned the you mentioned the word hook in there, um, and and I, and I remember you talk about hooks before and getting children you know hooked in into their learning. Um, and we recently had some training from from quite a well known training provider who I will tell you the name of off air oh, <laughs> because right. okay. um, they really worked a lot with our school's curriculum. Um, so I don't want to um, you know no, I'm take anything kidding. away from the work we're doing. Um, so. I, but they felt that hooks, um, you know, the, those things we used to get those children hooked into the learning, those those events that might happen, those, um, you know, um, they can take away from what they're learning, as in they'll remember the hook and not the point of it. So how how would you to how would you respond to that? And is is there a way to you know get a hook right? Yeah, there is, and um, there is a way, and and it's this thing about we, I don't know. If, you, if you've been uh, party to any of this, but I remember there was a real sort of um, surge, particularly in primary, around tricking kids and around fooling kids and around lying to children. You know, you'd, you'd say, oh, there's been an alien spaceship has crashed outside. <laughs> Everyone, you can't approach it. And you got the local Bobby, if you, if you had one, you got your local Bobby to stand guard in it and he'd be winking at you and you'd be winking at him and the kids would be like, really, is a space kid? And the, the, you'd be going, yeah, yeah. And then you'd build a little topic around that and you'd be really excited because as a teacher, as a teacher under pressure, as a teacher with loads of other things to do, actually your kids would be really, really excited. So you'd crack mm. on and the alien the, the alien spaceship, maybe it'd, it'd hiss and then you, maybe it'd open and the alien would get out and you'd leave a message for the alien because he was invisible and you'd do all that and the kids would be having an absolute ball and then you'd get them to write about it and actually they hadn't really learned anything but my goodness me they'd had a great time and that's the confusing thing and I think that's what people think a hook is a hook to me is is something not that it's not that it's not lying to children like that a hook is um, um, if if we've got a, if we're in the forest if we're in the forest and we do see something that's there's lights flashing there's a strange whirring noise and it shouldn't be there and we're on we're just on a residential if we if we saw that in the darkness what what would the first thing we do be what would we do first that's the hook the hook is uh, we've had a letter this is year 1 we've had a letter and um, i've received a letter as a member of parliament and uh, I've been told not to go to Parliament uh, for the opening of Parliament because apparently there's going to be an attack on Parliament. Who do you think I should tell about this? And that's going into the story of Guy Fawkes. And that's the hook. It's yeah. not something that a teacher has to spend two weekends sorting out, getting a digger to come and dig a hole in the... I've seen all that. And I've seen, I've seen people representing government talk about how brilliant that is. You know, back in the day when it was fashionable, and I just thought, what a nightmare that is. We just keep it simple, man. What you should be able to do is teach a lesson with nothing, and, and just a que a question, uh, an inquiry, a sheet of paper, and a and a and a marker pen. You know, you, we should be able to do that. That professional imagination is 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 uh, is what we should be cultivating, and a hook. Um, in in the way that I think people have been talking about it is not a big budget spectacular an immersive classroom can be created with a pack of post-it notes you know you don't need 
I'm not saying you shouldn't have all those other things. I'm just saying if we're really going to make sure our kids are learning, then we're, we're the we're our stance. I've said I've mentioned the word stance a few times, but our stance is we're inside the hook with the children. If you like, we're we're offering the question. Um, if we're if we're going to save the rainforest, what's the first thing we should do? That's a hook, you know. That's the hook. If we live in the rainforest and we always have, our fathers have lived here and our our grandfathers lived here, and yet we hear the rumblings of vehicles coming through the forest. What's the first thing we should do? That's a hook, I think. Yeah, yeah. Does that answer? It's not very funny any of this, but I, I think it's 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 right because. I, I think it's a, it's a different... It's, you can have an event, you can have a launch event, you can have a drop-down day, you can do all those if they've got value, as long as you're clear yeah. on the value of them. And I think maybe... I think maybe you, you're probably on the, on, on the same side there, because I, th I think that is what the, the, the guy that came in was trying to talk about, all these big events with no real substance to them. Um, I think he... He probably just worded it incorrectly because, of course, we want to get those children hooked into to, to what they're doing. Um, no, that's great. Um, tell us then about some of the other things that you do. How uh, just um, picked up at the end um, of your bread thing that you'd um, you'd set up a uh, a brewery with some other teachers. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't talk about it very much. It's like Fight Club. It's like I don't <laughs> don't talk about it really. No, I, I mean I I I've been very lucky. I I, I was t a full time teacher for a long time, as I explained, and and then I went f I went freelance at a time when it was kind of just kind of new, and I was kind of a new kid on the block. And because my my experience of full time work in a school was fresh, and I was working in, you know, it was it was quite a tough environment at times. The school I was in. Um, I had a lot to share, so I got a lot of work quite quite quickly. And I also was an early advocate of Twitter. When it was kind of na it was kind of nice knocking around on Twitter. It was really I felt like that yeah, a bit yeah. this during the lockdown. Actually, there's a lot of supportive stuff going on. A lot of great stuff like this, you know, the podcast and people getting together, organising grassrootsy things. And I really like that. I, I mean, I've got I think I've got a bit of a reputation simply because I've been around a long time now that's all I've just been around and I've, I've, I've written some books and and, and stuff but I, I have in the last sort of couple of years I've, I've been concentrating on my own CPD as well so I've done a master's I've looked at um, you know poverty education pedagogy and and that's informed a lot of this work now me talking about botheredness is really a distillation of that and um, so I've done all that but also um, I'm, I'm contributing at, the, at those levels, and I'm 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 working on a PGC at Huddersfield, and so on, um, as in delivering. And also, yeah, I've got just behind the scenes of it all, just the great friends I had at my school. We've always stayed in touch, and just to sort of help out a mate, one of our mates, he's he's got a very um, disabled child, and he was going to have to pack in his teaching job because he has to become a full time carer. We wanted to help him and we were trying to figure out ways where he could be with his son who's a teenager but also be earning a living rather than just being a carer and there's nothing wrong with just being a carer but he really wanted to be doing something um, and not being in his house all the day all day and he wanted to do something with his son so uh, the thing he wanted to do was brew beer so um, a few pints into a conversation we we set up a brewery it's very easy to do 
you just go to a company's house and set one up and you know within 18 months we were we were brewing um we, we, we've got a commercial brewery i make no money out of it none of us make money out of it but we've provided employment for people including ex-students um, which feels good and it's a nice story yeah, yeah. and I've gone through it very quickly there but it's a very it's a good story about friendship and warmth and botheredness in itself mm. no, that's uh, that's fantastic so uh, Mark's eyes light up when you mentioned how easy it was to uh, start a brewery <laughs> <laughs> that's how this podcast started wasn't it just a few a few pints deep <laughs> a lot of great <laughs> ideas start when people are just chatting and that's how Teach Meet started in Scotland it's how Brewhead started. You know, it's just mm. these these great things. The best CPD you can have, I think, is sitting with teachers, not necessarily in a pub, but over a brew, and just mm. having a chat and chewing. In fact, doing this, listening to podcasts like this and reflecting on them and finding out what you think about stuff and developing your own pr professional values and your own you know, professional imagination and so on. How we appreciate so much you've been on the podcast and and you've got a little badge there because i think we've stressed in in previous um episodes that this is an education podcast um but you probably won't learn anything whereas actually today <laughs> for the first time <laughs> someone might have just taken something away from this podcast other than mark's smut uh, so. I, I loved mark's thing about carry on teacher that was just so brilliant mark and, and uh, i really love this that you've done and i'm really grateful for being asked along if i may do a plug for my own podcast which is absolutely the, um, uh, I thought I knew you podcast where we talk about we talk a bit about education but it's mainly movies and music and books and art and maths and stuff and it's with um, my mate Ed so it's it's um, I really appreciate you asking us on here we don't have guests we just bang on <laughs> anytime Howard, we'll, we'll, um, we'll post out a link uh, to that brilliant well, really so appreciate it and check that out um, but yeah really appreciate that thank you very much thanks a lot guys and that's it. Thanks again to Howell and thank you so much for listening. It's rare we have anyone's attention for five minutes at a time, let alone over 30. So thank you so much for that. Give us a follow on Twitter at HandsUpPod and, and keep an eye out for all those posts and questions that we send and we just might feature you on the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed it, pass it on to another teacher or educator or anyone else you feel may enjoy listening. And don't forget to subscribe. Give us a, a quick rating if you can or even better, Leave us some feedback with your preferred podcast provider. That's all for this one. Class dismissed. What are you up to uh, tonight, Mark? I've got a patio in the back garden to finish. Tonight? It needs finishing tonight, Jordan. Don't ask me any more questions. <laughs>